This episode of the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast is brought to you by the Fun Astrology 101 course. If you'd like to learn the language of astrology in a fun and easy way, go to funastrology.com and check out the 101 course. It's right there on the homepage. Welcome to the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. I'm Thomas Miller, and we have a loaded up question today that we're going to take to Robert first, and then I think that's going to probably result in some dialogue and some banter back and forth between us about this very question uh, I think is amazing. So Anik sent us a question about the relationship course that Robert is currently putting together as this is being recorded, asking an excellent question of somebody who wants to live on their highest timeline and also wants somebody to partner in life with them on that journey. Hi, Thomas and Robert. This is Anik, and I've got a relationship astrology question for you, which is, is there any way to know, based on a person's birth chart, how likely they are to be living from a higher timeline? In other words, how likely they are to embody the more evolved characteristics of whatever sign they are, whatever placements they have in their chart versus the more unevolved, lower shadow qualities of those signs and placements. Thanks so much. Now, where this is going to get interesting, Robert, is that one of the main discoveries of my own chart in astrology was as I look at this and I think if I were just reading for somebody and it was my chart, I would say this person's life is loaded up to do transformational work. We'll get into that in a minute, but I'd like to hear your thoughts on what she's asking. First of all, just in the structure of a chart, can you tell the propensity of somebody if they're going to find their highest path or not? The short answer is no. It's impossible. And in fact, it's a very it's an it's a question everybody asks, but here's the answer and here's the truth. No, you can't. You can have someone, in fact, every single planetary archetype in the horoscope may be lived out at its higher levels or its lower levels. So you can have a person who is wonderful on the surface and successful and loving who turns out to be an axe murderer because of a different archetype in the chart. The first murderer that I ever read for, I didn't see it because I wasn't thinking to look for it. You see, I was 22, 23. And he asked me, this man, can you see murder in the chart? And I said, what do you mean? Well, I was in prison and he explained it to me. And it was, a, if, if, if murder is ever legitimate, it was, it was a legitimate case. But... But after that, I realized uh, there is no way as an astrologer with the horoscope alone to tell whether a person is living out uh, their best side or their or their lower natures on any given planet. The sun, the, the life force, the moon, which is how you are, how we all are on a day-to-day basis, how we are to live with. The Mars energy, which is all about action, passion. Uh, the Venus energy, which is all about love and money and values. Those areas can be in conflict, and yet other areas can be in harmony. So I don't think there is such a thing as a perfect relationship, but there sure are relationships that are far more congenial and harmonious and constructive than we're often aware of. There, It's really possible. 
But it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of consciousness and a lot of awareness about yourself and other people. And this, the ideal of a perfect relationship is a more or less impossible quest. You will always be frustrated and disappointed if that's what you expect. And a lot of people have unrealistic expectations given their natures in the chart. There are people, I turn out to be one, although when I was younger, I never thought of myself as a solitaire. Uh, but it, it, as I've aged and went through the two primary relationships I've had in my life and no regrets, love them both. But the truth about me is that I am a solitaire. But that took me years to acknowledge in myself. Do you see what I mean? So the question, it's a, it's a good question, but it it's so general that it can't be answered. Can you tell if someone's living out their highest chart? Well, what do you mean? Their highest self in the business world or their higher self in the domestic field or their higher self with children? Or See, in different areas, we're all different, depending on the signs we have on the cusps that rule those house matters and the planets that rule them and so on. So it's an impossible question to really answer. In a chart like, now, who's this, this? This is your chart? Yes, I've put my chart up for Robert to look at. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, let's talk about her question for, a, I have a couple of other things to throw at you Great. here for your thoughts, and then we'll come back around to this. But it is in the show notes if you guys want to go ahead and queue it up. We'll Hopefully we'll get there. Okay, so what she's obviously asking here, what I'm hearing underneath the question is, if I'm dating somebody, and we start talking about astrology, and we get to that point. We start starting to compare our lives and where we are on our lives at this point. And she's obviously committed to a highest possible spiritual path. She And all those areas encompassed, right, because they are all inclusive, that she wants to have a partner who will be with her on that journey. And one of the things that I've observed in my <laughs> failed experiences in this area is you either in a relationship you either grow together or you grow apart but you are never static i think that's true and you know i also have saturn in the seventh house thomas my saturn in the seventh is far worse configured than yours but nonetheless anybody with saturn in the seventh house that is where relationships and marriage living loves committed relationships is where you will face your most important challenges. They will teach you more than anything else in your life about yourself and about your relationships with other people. And generally, when Saturn is afflicted, as I have it, and certainly as you do with those squares, it will tend to indicate failure. That's the old word in the text. Oh, my marriage failed. I don't believe that. I think that, uh, that marriage is like anything else have a lifespan. Some of them are really meant to last for a lifetime. And you can see that in charts too, the propensity for it. Others are not. Well, let's, let's, give, let's give her a tip on that very point right there. If Where would she look if she's looking at a potential dating partner's chart? Where would she look for potential pitfalls or potential there might be symmetry there? Well, you can look in a couple of places. The place to start is with her own natal chart. 
Because first of all, if it is not in the birth chart, it's not going to happen. One, when you're just dating somebody, that's a fifth house relationship. The minute that you move in together or get married, either one, it becomes a seventh house relationship because suddenly if you move in together or you get legally married, now you have shared responsibilities. And in marriage, you have a legal responsibility. So unlike the fifth house relationship where you are both exploring each other and exploring the relationship, the minute you move in together, it becomes a seventh house relationship. And that house in your chart may be completely different than the house of dating. There are people, and I know some, who love to date, but they don't like being married. Yeah, that's for sure. Absolutely. So it depends on her chart. So everybody's different in this way. So if you don't have a good chart for marriage, which I don't at birth, I have a much worse chart for it than you do. But yours is not particularly great either. I mean, it is in some levels. But but ultimately, it's interesting with Saturn in the seventh, because one of the classic indications of that, especially if you have, like I do, Capricorn rising, is somebody who is married to their work. And this becomes a problem in relationships because they love their if they're if they're living on a high level, constructive level, as you are, for example, you're in broadcasting. Look at your Jupiter Mercury. This is one of the ways you can tell. Incidentally, her question about can you can an astrologer tell whether somebody's living on their higher level or not? One of the ways you can is by talking with the person, finding out what they do for a living, or seeing what you think they do for a living in the question and ask about that. And then as you get into that, you realize, okay, this person <clears throat> is indeed living out their highest level on the vocational level. They're, they're in a career that's absolutely right for their horoscope. They're going to be successful at it. That much you know. And if you know that, you know that this person has a relatively good sixth house because that's that house of not only work and occupation, it's the house of your entire self-integration physiologically in terms of health about this house psychologically emotionally intellectually and spiritually all of that is in the sixth house and you happen to have mercury and jupiter there in sag of higher wisdom and the communications industry so you're in a perfect field for you and that alone and then you've got the trines and so into your your nodes and uh, and and all these other aspects but that alone says this guy has found his calling and it's interesting, then we get to know a little about you, that you were raised fairly fundamentalist, uh, in a fundamentalist Christian religion, which is also very much Jupiter-Mercury. And then you took that Sagittarius root and evolved further than the religion that you came th- came from, and then you've arrived at this level of awareness, which is a more metaphysical, philosophical level, but still very spiritual, only it's in broadcast, so you know that you're living out your highest side or highest self in those fields. And that tells you a lot about a person, because when a person is living pretty much in harmony with their chart, you can bet that they're aiming always to get better, more knowledgeable, more self-aware, more spiritual, more creative, more fulfilled. And that alone, that, that intent will lead them to express the higher sides of their charts but true criminals now getting back to her question true psychopaths are sometimes very difficult to spot 
And there are people who are drawn to fatalistic relationships. You're one. I'm another one. Uh, with Saturn in the seventh. So to me, what that indicates, and it was true for me, I don't know if it was for you, Thomas, but my two main relationships absolutely had an, a feeling, a sense of compulsion and fate and destiny about them. And I could certainly see some potential problems going into them, but nonetheless, I would never have not gone into them because I was so much in love, and it was a wonderful feeling, and I'm sure you were too. So what are you going to do when you feel that way about somebody and you see some tough aspect between your charts or, or wherever? Are you just going to say, oh, thanks, but no thanks. Venus squares your Saturn. I'm going to move on. Well, sometimes, you know, very positive people can come into our lives and seem to behave in very negative ways. And then when they leave, even though it may have been painful or a real challenge, we realize, you know, I learned something from this that is invaluable to me. So they can actually be sort of angels in disguise. And you know, one of the things, here is some good old Father Thomas advice, from at least from my own path, that somebody who is asking a question like, I can tell Anik has a very tender heart. And one of the pitfalls, or one of the things, Anik, that might happen is that you could meet somebody who you fall in love with, just like Robert was describing, Everything's great on this particular level of connection. But then you start looking under the hood and you realize that your life and his life are not on par. I know so many couples who go through this. Then the growth, that path of growth separates because you knew from the very beginning that it was a mismatch, but you think you can fix it. And that's what, Robert, I would underscore what you are saying is you have to look at where things are currently, not what can you improve, because that's probably one of the biggest areas where I you never see that pan out well. Usually you get brought down. There's an old saying, bad company corrupts good morals. And it's always the other way around. You think you can fix them, they end up bringing you down. That's very true, and the idea of fixing anybody is fraught. Uh, no one should ever enter a marriage assuming that they're going to be able to fix the other person. They won't be able to. And that's part of the whole point, I think, karmically. The things that really challenge a lasting relationship are differences in ambition levels. That's a big one. If you have one partner who is ambitious and wants to leave a mark of some kind in the world, and the other one who's really happy living a pretty carefree life, and going from this to that, the money doesn't really mean that much to them as long as they've got enough to travel and get by and all of that, that's going to be a difficult relationship. Different ambition levels, different educational levels is another big challenge to a lasting marriage. Different religious backgrounds. If you are someone who is not religious and you're getting with someone who is religious, that's going to be another major challenge. Uh, different racial backgrounds are another challenge, and there absolutely are charts 
that are romantically inclined to seek out a part. They find different races and nationalities exotic and fascinating and attractive and erotic and on and on. So there are, are charts where a mixed race marriage absolutely is is likely, but it's another big challenge in relationships because now, depending on where you live, you may have two different racial demographics who are uneasy with this mixed marriage. You see the same with different religious backgrounds, depending on where you live. So the more that you have in common in terms of levels of ambition, levels of sex drive, which is primarily Mars and Pluto. Mars is the side of love that has to do with sex and lust, the physical side of it. Venus is the emotional side of it, the affectionate side of it. So uh, some people have very strong sex drives. Others don't. That's another area of potential incompatibility or compatibility, too. And, you know, when you're younger, when we're younger, the biological urges are there. So we feel sexual attractions more powerfully when we're young. Now, if we're trained or conditioned to think of those as bad or threatening in some way, then we will react to those biological urges accordingly. If we find them fascinating, then we're likely to act on those. So sometimes when we're younger, lust, the sexual side, sexual attraction can bring two people together very powerfully who are not at all compatible in far, as far as a long day-to-day -day living together lasting relationship and that can be also a, a source of conflict you know you mentioned ambition and this is a point that i would underscore for anique when i changed and i committed to my new path that was in the year of 2009 couple of years after that, couple of years after that, uh, I went to an event that was a little, oh, it was a seminar that they were doing at a metaphysical bookshop there in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And this teacher, there were probably about a dozen of us in, most uh, were women, and the guy just pointed at me and he said, do you see how hungry this guy is for this? And everybody, all those ladies were shaking their head yes. <laughs> and that's, I think, one of the things from my own path that once I made that change, it was come hell, high water or anything else, I was going to find a way. If you're on that kind of level and you're paired up with somebody who is not, where do you think that gap is going to be? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's like, now, I did want to clarify one thing. You talked about the fifth house being the dating, exploring area. What about the 11th as far as just being friends? You know, the term, Robert, that they do today is they hang out. <laughs> we didn't do that back in the day. We didn't hang out, but today they hang out. To me, that's like an 11th house thing, friends, and then it kind of morphs into something else. But does the 11th factor into this, at least at the very beginning? It does in one level. For example, it does rule friendships and groups of people. And so, and this is something I found out in my relationships that I did not know about myself. If you're a couple and you are doing a lot of socializing, as I had to do, for example, as a television writer, 
uh, you're schmoozing a lot. There are rap parties, there are studio parties, there are parties in people's homes, sometimes there are celebrities and so on. If you are comfortable in that environment, which I was, and if you are not intimidated by big names, which I wasn't, you're fine. If you have a partner who is uncomfortable in those environments or who is intimidated, then you're going to be having to watch her all night. So in a case like mine, I would unconsciously, Saturn in Cancer in my seventh, consider my partner to be more of a liability. Secretly, I would never have said it because, in fact, I didn't. I wasn't aware that I thought that. Until I got into astrology a bit more and I had relationships that lasted long enough for me to begin to grapple with this in myself. You know, there's something else that I would throw in here. As you know, Robert, I've done a couple of books for Ray Merriman, and on Saturdays on the Fun Astrology Podcast, we read his weekly newsletter. Ray Merriman is a financial astrologer who's been doing it since the 1970s. He's actually kind of the same age as Robert, and they kind of got started at about the same time. And Ray now uh, is married to a lady who writes relationship astrology. And actually, it was Ray who brought this to her, the 90-day rule. (laughs) Don't go doing anything committal for 90 days, at least, (laughs) at least 90 days, right? Don't go being stupid. Give it some time. And, you know, anybody says in any context that a year is really what you need to experience all four seasons of the calendar experience the sun hitting every one of those planets all the way around, then you can step back and take a look at this thing and say, are we going to be a power couple? Are we really together? Or are there enough pitfalls and and chug holes that you've seen in the relationship that you say, let's be 11th house friends, but we're not going to be romantic beyond here? Well, and in astrology, there really is a difference between dating and friendships, the fifth house and the eleventh house. Generally, you don't go to bed with friends, or do you? (laughs) It's a difference in the type of the relationship. Friendship in the eleventh house generally is does now today you talk about hanging out. The other phrase is friends with benefits, which means we're friends, and occasionally we sleep together. If it feels good, we do it. You know, the well, dating and that's fine for some people. I couldn't do it, but it's fine for some people. Well, but look, the dating apps, that's what they're all about now. And I'm I'm not in that game. I'm not on them, but they say that Tinder is very much that. Pick up an 11th house friend, and you might not even be an 11th house friend. You might not even know them. Hey, this one looks good. And there you go, you know? Well, a dating app which is what you're referring to, is not an 11th house phenomenon. That's a 5th house. It's speculation. It's a game. It's 5th house. It's for pleasure. And basically, it's for sex, sex hookups. Mm -hmm. That's all 5th house. That's got nothing to do with friendship. You may make a friend as a result of a dating hookup, or you probably won't. Just get real. And the other thing that you find, especially I've seen this, I just read for a woman recently with this. She kept wanting to know why... She always picked the wrong guy. They always left her. And I said, look at, and she knew a little bit about astrology. I said, look at this chart. You don't want a relationship. The excitement in love for you. Look at this Mars and Uranus you have. Uh, Your excitement is someone new, someone who's maybe a bit of an outlaw or rebel, 
somebody who has a little aura of danger and risk about them and somebody who is sexually charismatic as hell. But you don't want permanency. These are immutable signs. You want to move on, but you're a woman and you can't admit it or you haven't yet. You're living your life like a lot of men do when you think about it. The last thing you want in a chart like this is a lasting relationship. But because you can't admit that to yourself, you will unconsciously only be attracted to men who will leave you so that then you are free to feel hurt and victimized and move on to the next interesting guy you find. See what I mean? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that well. All right, let's wrap this up. And the one other little needle drop that I'd like to leave with Anique here is the vertex. You can Google on this to get basically all the information that you need to be functional with it. It's right there. It's readily available. But it's a point on the chart that the software that you use should be able to put it up. And basically what you're looking for is if it's in the same sign or the same house. I've been following this for a while, and I've just been scratching my little chin and raising an eyebrow here and there and looking at it. But it is very interesting. And it's basically a fated point in the chart. So and if, when you said in the same house, as what? As, vertex in the same house. So what? what you do is you you look at your chart and your partner's chart. And oh, I see. For example, if the vertex is in the fifth house, then that might portend. Maybe it's in the same sign, like Scorpio, mine. I know of somebody who I do have not a physical relationship, not a dating relationship, but I do have a relationship in a in a business thing with somebody who has their vertex in Scorpio just a few degrees away from mine. And it ah, is okay. kind of one of those. It's like you and me. You know, it's like our relationship that there's this fated intersection where you're going to synchronistically meet this person that if that vertex is is aligned, that's basically what you're looking for. It is the universe has collided your paths for a specific purpose. And then you can take it from there to decide what mm -hmm. that purpose is. But mm -hmm. That's another part that they could look at. Absolutely. And it's not that, I mean, it's like there's not that much written about it, but it is one of those things that just by observation, I've seen enough that it has definitely piqued my interest. Let's put it that way. And see, I love that, Thomas. I tell everybody, every student, every client that I have that's in astrology, try anything, anything you read about or hear about, try it, explore it, see what you get out of it. And if it works for you, keep using it. If it's not giving you anything that you weren't getting elsewhere, then why bother? Because it, it takes, I guess, a little bit. It doesn't really take any time to calculate it because the computer does it for you. But if you're not getting anything from which I didn't, for example, the, the, the partnership that you and I have is my Venus exactly on top of your Mars and your Neptune at birth and your sun. They're all three at six degrees Scorpio. My Venus is at four. Mm -hmm. almost five yeah so that's so again you know the vertex for me i just have never got same with chiron it's not that it doesn't work it's just that i don't get anything it's not that so i don't use it simply because it's another thing to interpret that frankly i have already found elsewhere but there are people who do use chiron and get a great deal of, of value just like you're using the vertex so i'm glad that you brought that up because i really encourage people try it if you're interested in trying something try it and try it more than once try it over several charts and see the results you get try it in your own chart and if you're getting something from it stick with it keep using it 
Yeah, there you go. Put your vertex point in your dating app profile and then ask for people who are A, <laughs> compatible, and B, I want some squares and some oppositions. I'm going to figure this thing out, right? <laughs> well, I think the bottom line of this conversation is that with commitment, you can make any chart work or you can bust any chart up. So, Anik, thank you for a great question on that. You know, if you had a relationship that has matured a little bit and you're thinking about making that lifetime decision, why not check with Robert for a reading with that other person's chart? And of course, with their permission, take a look at this for your own future. If you were about to make that very important decision, I would spend a few hours with Robert uh, talking about it and looking at both of those charts and seeing where all of these points are so that you are going into it fully wide awake. Wow, what a great resource. So that information is in the show notes. There's a direct link in there along with our Discord channel, YouTube channel, the Fun Astrology Facebook page, and all that stuff is all linked in there. We'd love to have you just integrate into our community. Thank you so much for listening today. We'll see you next time on the Old Soul, New Soul Astrology Podcast with Robert Glasscock. Mm -hmm.